Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On tonight's show, I'm calling an audible. Uh, I was supposed to have Elliot Mayo in from Vacancy and Read, but I I have a lateral trade. Uh, <laughs> last minute, I got a guy in who virtually every recording artist musician that's ever been on this show has said, you got to talk to Jeremy. So tonight we have Jeremy Gloff on the show. And I can't thank you enough for coming in just in general, oh, but coming in pleasure. last minute. But uh, you're definitely been a bucket list person all this time. Uh, as I mentioned to you in the hallway before we started, I think you, I first became aware of you uh, because I was talking to uh, my buddy in Wolfface when they were, and I always have to be very careful with his identity. Yes, kind of, yeah, I know. Hey, I tagged the wrong name. A few oh, times. hey, do you get those texts? I the did. Signs? Like, hey, bud, if you don't mind, can you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then I feel horrible like, yeah. jumping off a cliff. Because I totally and, get it. Like, yeah. I get it. Well, it's, I think it's kind of cool, but it, in, in this context, it's hard to kind of like, I, I want to talk about him, but I got to talk about him in this context. Anyway, yeah. Um, but you now remind me, did did you write Still Golden or did they write Still Golden and you recorded it? I know they recorded it too, but how did that work? Okay, well, it was like 2014. I was in a band with this girl. We were still friends, but the band didn't work out. Okay. And Greg sent me a piece of music that he felt like was not a Wolf Face song. Sure. He's like, this is a Jeremy Gloff song. Oh, shit. I said his name. That's all right. Um, he well, can sue me. Do you cut out? Do do No, edits? fuck him. Oh, okay. Fuck you, Greg. I'm just kidding. Uh, Michael J. Wolf. Michael J. Wolf. Send me a piece of music. I'm so sorry. He doesn't. He's okay. Okay. He'll be fine. Uh, we didn't say his last name. Send yeah. me a piece of music, and he felt like this was a Jeremy Gloff song. So I put, I had some stuff going on, and I, you know, put the words to it, and then I recorded it. Yeah. Well, then like a couple years go by, and he's like, "We're gonna record it." So that's you know that's it. well. What's great about it is you both did it. Just like they both stand on their own, uh, separate and apart. It's almost like two completely different yeah. songs, which speaks to the writing of it, that it can kind of work in different ways. You know, it's definitely a slower wolf face song. Yeah. But um, the way you did it, I mean, is is equally as compelling. And and so here was the difficulty I have. You know, I I have at times when your name has come up, sought you out to to kind of do my homework as it were. And you're a hard one to peg. I mean, cause there's <laughs> yeah. eras, there's, there's definitely kind of a, an evolution an ebb and a flow. This by no means, this, this will probably fall completely flat. And if it's, if it's not received well, I'll apologize at the outset, but are you aware of Bonnie Prince, Billy? No, I'm not. Okay. So this is, this is the artist that reminds me most of you. Okay. Very well-written song, singer, songwriter, but not necessarily folk like, there's kind of some different flavors to it. And again, it's seasonal. Like there's a winter, there's a winter, Jeremy, there's a summer, Jeremy, right. there's a spring, Jeremy. For sure. Do you, do you see that? Or yeah. Is, okay. oh, yeah. is that by design or is it just kind of whatever you're feeling when you're writing an album? I mean, cause by the way, you're super prolific, which is, <laughs> which can be bad or good depending yeah. on the product, but the product's good. Right. I have this conversation with uh, Andrew Domestica, who I think you know. Oh, yeah. With. He played I, on something on my next album. I, well, you just posted a, or, there's a video for a song called Tampa that you do. Oh, and, yeah. And, I, and, and the pictures that are on there, I swear that's him with like a Viking album. Yeah, he's on. in there. Is that him? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So again, he's another one. It's like, it's Tuesday. He's putting out another <laughs> album, but. They're all badass. I yeah. mean, I love his his uh, his uh, instrumental stuff because I'll be like pissed off at another attorney and I'm banging out like a motion for contempt <laughs> and I feel like I'm conquering Poland or, you know, <laughs> charging a hill in Scotland or something. I got his music one. But anyway, enough about Andrew. Let's talk about Jeremy. Oh, wow. So um, oh. the being that eclectic, I mean, are you just a conduit? Are you just constantly full of ideas? Is, is well, that I think like I grew up, I had a lot of favorite singers growing up and one of them was Madonna. So I think, you know, I kind of grew up with that prototype of having the different eras, you know? Oh, I mean? for sure. And as my life changed, I, you know, she's kind of like, I'm not, I'm a little bit embarrassed by her lately. You know what I mean? Let's, let's face the facts. Like, but hey, it's hard to pull off that shtick in your sixties, yeah. you know? I mean, at a certain point, it's nice to kind of gracefully withdraw. Yeah, from... I wish, uh, well, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But during her prime era, I really related to like how her different eras were really a lot different. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, I, I, I have, it's funny. Someone was, someone was, had a post about something to do with if Stevie Nicks and Dolly Parton did a duet, it would solve 2020. It was something to, to that. Yeah. Effect. And I'm a huge Stevie and Dolly fan. So you want to talk about my 
puberty, it's Dolly Parton, Stevie Nicks, and Madonna. I yeah. mean, the, that's like the perfect vector Bermuda yeah. Triangle of... I love Fleetwood Mac. Oh, All eras of Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood, well, I, so I, I've talked about it a little bit before, but when I, I went to school in Orlando and uh, at UCF and I worked at the arena and I got to serve Fleetwood Mac dinner. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I was literally like shitty prime rib to Lindsey Buckingham, <laughs> oh. Stevie Nicks. And then... For whatever reason, like no one used their private boxes that night. So like two people did. So all I had to do was stock their fridge, fill their hot plates, click their burners. And then I went and sat in my own box and watched Aww. the whole. And this was when they did their. Uh, what was that album called where they did? Um, the Dance. The dance, yeah, it was the like reunion a live one? reunion album. It was yep. that tour, and I got to watch them. And oh, it was it's so, so freaking good! That was a great one, and I love just it's like they all did more cocaine than the the sum total of South America. Yeah. They all had affairs <laughs> with each other. Like oh, every yeah. one of them had banged each other. There's so much great story there. I, I just that band. My wife, my wife has a she can't, she can't deal with Eddie Money, Rod Stewart, or Fleetwood Mac. Oh, see I the other why. two, I get it, but Fleetwood Mac. There's She's, so much to love. Eddie Money's grown on her, and the, the reason why is Mr. Tommy, his guitarist, became a local uh, celebrity playing kids' concerts for everybody. Oh. So Mr. Tommy, Eddie Money's guitarist, has put on concerts for our kids and played okay. at Gasparilla Music Festival. That is uh, endearing. Yeah, and Rod Stewart. The only reason I dig Rod Stewart is because uh, he did the song that the English office used for the soundtrack, and I always oh, dug yeah. that song. Actually, that song kind of reminds me of a Jeremy Glove oh. song. Do you know it's a Clad Bags and Hand Rags or something? Anyway, I digress. So back to you. Um, Let's let's kind of start at the beginning. Are you from Tampa originally? No, or? I'm from a Fredonia, New York. It's a small town an hour outside of Buffalo. Hour north, hour south, hour east, hour west. West. We have this huge draw from northern New York people. We've had a lot of Rochester, a lot of like Syracuse. Yeah, I that's guess my area. I guess there's a big kind of uh, migration from there to Florida. Yeah, I moved here in '98, and on your own accord, or because someone else moved here, or well. It was the '90s, and I, you know, I I wanted to move to Portland, Oregon, and then I wanted Did to move to San Francisco. Did people know in the '90s that Portland was cool yet? Like, I don't was think that so. A thing yet? That's like I wanted to either be there or San Francisco, right? And the person that I was supposed to move with uh, bailed on me, right? And I was suicidal and like tragic, and I had some friends moving to Tampa. Okay. So the the uh, the U-Haul was sitting in front of my apartment in Fredonia, right. and I I either had the choice to put my stuff in the U-Haul and meet them down there in two months, like I had to stay over the summer in Fredonia, but I just made the impulsive decision to throw my shit in the U-Haul. And then they drove down there with all my stuff that I still had. And I moved down here two months later. I'm still in the same apartment 22 years later. Wow. Yeah. That's a good story, though. Is there, an, is there at least one album dedicated to that period of time? No. It took me a little bit to get going in Tampa. Yeah. So I, like, I got here in 98, and my first album didn't come out until 2000. Well, Tampa's take just takes everybody a little bit. First off, it's so fucking hot. Yeah. And I, then I feel like finally the cultural... Well, that's a loaded statement. <laughs> I mean, there's always been, you know, Latino and a lot of different cultural sure. movements here. But I I feel like within the past six, eight-ish years, you know, with the Heights and just kind of all these things and some stuff in Ebor, now St. Pete's picking up a little bit. There's kind of finally like art culture or sure. that's, that's a little bit more younger, you know, instead of Blown Glass and Salvador Dali and all oh, the yeah. that we you know, have over in St. Pete. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. What I'm saying? I didn't plan on staying here. You know, one year turned into two. And then, like, I grew to really love Tampa. And I yeah. probably will never move. Uh, one thing I like about Tampa compared to where I grew up is where I grew up, every ethnicity, is that how you say it? Sounds good. Uh, is really compartmentalized into their own neighborhoods. And in Tampa, people it's really everywhere. coexist. Yeah. And, like, my apartment complex is, like, a little mini model of what Tampa's like. Like you just walk to the mailbox and you see every kind of person that really spoke to me. That's awesome. And I, I wish it was more like that. I've had this conversation a lot with uh, people about how I can have my kids have an experience with all cultures and all people from a very early age right. so that, you know, I don't, I don't want a black person to be like a, a novelty to them or a gay person to be a novelty sure. to or yeah. a Muslim or whatever. Just be like, yeah, this is what, you know, everybody's everything, you know, whatever. So uh, I, I do like that about Tampa. Um, I think know. where I grew up, there was like uh, maybe two or three black people in the whole high school. Well, New York and Boston and all these like Northern states. I mean, going back, there was a very kind of 
this is the Italian neighborhood. Yeah. This is the Irish neighborhood. This is the black neighborhood. You know, and now that all this social justice stuff is bubbling to the surface, you realize like it's really bad up there where I'm from. Like the oh, stupidity sure. factor. Like I'm so glad. I feel like in Tampa we have a nice little network of like-minded people. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't know why that is. I'd, I'd have to think about how it got to be that way. But um, it is interesting that it's different. Now, are you an only child, or do you have siblings? I have a younger brother. Then I have like a sister. Then an older brother. Okay. But I grew up with my younger brother mostly. Is he down here or is he still? No, he's, he's up there. Okay. He's like a crust punk. Oh yeah. Nice. Uh, DIY musician. Nice. I dig it. What is it? What type, what does he play or what is he? Uh, now his latest release was like, kind of like little peep. Like okay. Kinda... Okay. Does he have tattoos on his face? Uh, I, no, no. Probably not will though. Not yeah, yet. Not yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's early in the week. <laughs> so, um, Music in your family, was that, did you come from a musical oh, family? Yeah. Did, okay, so tell me about that. What so, were you uh, introduced to? What was a, a young Jeremy listening to in my, his parents' uh, house? My dad was kind of like in and out of my life. And he, my dad and stepdad both died in 2017, actually within 10 days of each other of cancer. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So it's like, Ooh. That, was a, that was a whole thing. But, uh, you know, my dad was the top blues guitarist in Fredonia, Dunkirk area. And he sang just like Neil Young. Really? So even though I didn't grow up with him, like I always like really looked up to my dad and there was always like music in my house. My, uh, my mom listened to Fleetwood Mac. Uh, My cousin, Kevin and my uncle Dave always had MTV. So when I'd go to their house, you had like the, the go-go's. Go goes Neil Young and yep. and who's the other one you just mentioned? Blondie was my first favorite. Fleetwood band. Mac, Blondie, well shit. I mean, yeah. now I'm understanding your music. It's clicking in, yeah, because because it's all there, kind of. Yeah, and you know, I I get bored with one thing, then I'm I like tune into like my Blondie side. Well, that's awesome. You don't have to identify with one thing. You can kind of exist on yeah. all planes. Then Prince came along, and then I discovered Joni Mitchell, which was a big thing in middle school. So Sinclair said your buddies are friends with somebody that was in Prince's crew. Yeah, two two of them. There's two different people that I actually performed and wrote with. Uh, I'm friends with Jill Jones. She, okay. if you see the 1999 video, she's the blonde one with the biker okay, hat. Okay, okay. And uh, I, I wrote a couple songs with her. And then uh, I'm friends with Brenda, who was in Apollonia Six and Vanity Six. Oh wow! She's the the white one that smokes. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I sang on her last time when I flew up and performed with her in Rhode Island. So, oh wow! Yeah, she's great. They're such great people. There was there was just a string of uh, Bowie. Prince. Oh, I know. Uh, Tom Petty. Uh, it was just a rough, a lot, couple of years. But Prince, Prince got me. I mean, as prolific as he was, and the longevity of career that he had, he was still largely unappreciated. Right? Would you Would you agree? Yeah, and I feel like uh, there's kind of a cutoff point for me and Prince where I didn't enjoy his music anymore. I still bought everything. Well, like, for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, all the, first, the damn albums and they all. Yeah. Like, I mean, up through like the 80s, I, I was with him. And then it got to uh, a certain point where it was just outside the the scope of kind of yeah. what I dug. But I think he, the Symbol album was the last one that yeah, I like, really Yeah, well, there's one. There was a, was it called Resurrection? There was one that. Emancipation. Eman- was that it? Then there's Musicology. Musicology is the one I'm thinking about. Yeah. That, that was kind of a. A ret- not a return to form, but kind of a big later album. Yeah. For him. Would you agree? I agree. And I did listen to it. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. one like, okay, I can get into this. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, so who's, who's it that I've had this? I think it was Gabe uh, Etchazabal. Do you know him? Oh, from? yeah. Yeah. So we had- DJ together at the Legion sometimes. Oh my God. I would love to go if that ever happens again. <laughs> that was the last dance party. Ask if, a, if we ever the have disco stuff party like that was, again. It was the last big night out for everybody. Oh my God. Um, so, uh, Anyway, we were talking about Little Richard, and we were having a conversation about how amazing the story of Little Richard is because somehow, like in the middle of the civil rights movement, a black (laughs) gay singer sang a southern white type of music and was revered for it by the very people who persecuted wearing eyeliner, gay people and black people. It's such a mindfuck of of a situation that he was able to have the career that he had and and you right. know prince is not exactly the same but very much playing with gender roles gender right. identity way before that was ever really the the subject of conversation especially and, when he opened for the rolling stones on one of his early tours which oh, did not yeah. go that well <laughs> well i mean yeah i mean well i mean the rolling stones are another conversation entirely yeah. <laughs> but um, now is this i i heard the story and it sounds too too bizarre to be true and not that you know the answer to it but I heard, and, and I don't want to go dark on Prince because I love Prince, but that he got hooked on pain pills because of his hips being screwed up 
because he spent so much time dancing in high heel boots. I did, yeah. I've that's heard what that I've heard. before, and I'm like, that can't be true. But yep, it's interesting. I don't know if yeah. it's true, but it's it's because there's a there's a video of him, like the only SNL appearance he did on the show, and he comes out and he's got on like granny panties, knee high boots, a <laughs> trench coat. Oh yeah, you know, and uh, all over that stage. And I mean, I can't in, in my youngest, most in shape period and sneakers i couldn't do what he was doing yeah. i was like that must kill but in any event because he was a shorter guy wasn't he yeah he was like five four right 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 so anyway well that's pretty cool about pretty cool about prince yeah um can, where can i find that music is that anywhere um well on brenda's last album uh, i sing backup yeah it's okay. all online okay and then if you google if you put youtube in uh jeremy McLaughlin, jill jones she did a solo album with prince i do like an acoustic version from her apartment of one of those songs right so. right so uh, writing music, is this like, is this a daily practice, a weekly practice? Do you just go through stages and say, hey, I'm ready to do, do a new album? Or how does that work? Uh, there was a, there were like years where I was doing like two albums a year. And like music would just come to me. And I'm like, please stop. Like, this is expensive. Like making albums is expensive. Was it a cathartic thing for you? Yeah, like therapy in a way? therapy, yeah. Yeah, so you're dealing with stuff. Dealing with shit. So I've had this conversation again with Gabe. I have a lot of uh, esoteric uh, musical conversations with Gabe. But uh, I had this theory that people who are really into music oftentimes had some sort of trauma in their childhood yep. and music becomes a refuge for, sure. for them. Do you think, do you think that's true? Mm -hmm. A and B it, can the same be said about writing music? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it, it, to the extent you want to talk about it, did you have some sort of trauma in your life or I'd say so? Yeah, it, it was a, it wasn't the best. <laughs> yeah. I, so yeah, I've always joked that artists and boxers benefit the most from fucked up childhoods. Yeah. <laughs> so, cause you know, it's always, it's always the ones who had the craziest of those that kind of sort of the greatest heights. I think like, uh, you know, my early years, the family, you know, whatever, but then like going into high school, like being gay in the nineties, it was like a whole nother thing that I wouldn't wish on anybody. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've, I have had at pe periods in my life suspicions that my father might've been closeted gay okay. and he was in the seminary to become a priest for a period of time. He was in the Navy. He owned a antique store and oh. not to stereotype, but there was all these things that, you know, never once did he say anything to me about commenting on a female or any of this right. stuff. And see, I when, never even met your dad, but my heart like goes out to him wherever well, he is. So he, he suffered a lot of depression and, uh, you know, he got into drinking and stuff and I, I've self medicated. Asked, he never, <laughs> there was never an admission. And I've asked people who know my family and generally they say, no, they don't think so. But, I always kind of ha had a suspicion and I don't, you know, that what, what, what I feel about that is, is I feel bad if he, there was a life that he wanted to live that he couldn't have. Sure. So that's number one. And then number two, just how, what that meant for the interplay between my mom and him, Yeah. you know, as far as their relationship goes. But, uh, you know, so I, I think about that and wonder about that. And as much as you're talking about the nineties, I mean, it's, it's not until recently and I still don't even know how much recently, yeah. like, do you think there's much headway that's been made? Yeah, I do. Because I would have thought that there was headway in in race race relations until the last four years. Yeah, and now it seems we haven't evolved at all since the '60s, and and just became closeted in our racism and hatred. For I think a lot of us did evolve. I just think there's some people that are just loud. Yeah, that's well, true. My yeah. friend Christine though gave a really interesting theory like two days ago that. She said, our generation, like, we weren't into politics. We were into, like, social movement. Yeah. So we kind of progressed gay things and gender and race. And we really did challenge things. But now, like, it's catching up to us because the politics are like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. I had a, a buddy of mine, Matt Lundy, on. And he said something that was seemed kind of broad and not – it was kind of a glib remark. But the more I think about it. Uh, the more kind of deep it, it cuts. He's like, I just want to go to a, back to a time where we don't talk about politics. Yeah. Not, not because it's off limits, but just because it wasn't front and center in everybody's mind. I don't know if our current discussions are really productive the way it's going. And it is, if you're talking to people that agree with you, you know what I mean? But well, that's, you know, that's true. Uh, you know, I, 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 I struggle with it. Uh, you know, the, during the last election, I, so I'm really big into therapy. I go to my therapist every week, sure. talk to her a lot. I went to and, a therapist for many years. Oh, yeah. so I, I think everybody needs to have a, an outlet that isn't a loved one because you don't want to yeah. unload on your loved one no. because 
then that changes the nature of your relationship. I mean, they should be there to support you, but they also don't need to be a sounding board for every fucking neuroses that goes yeah. through your mind. Shout out to Linda Peterman, whoever, whoever she's training Shout these days. Linda Peterman. <laughs> Carrie Cohen's mine. So um, in any event, uh, she's she, but she said she, this is the suggestion to me was what are you not dealing with because you're dealing with all of this? Like all right. she almost was asserting that. You are making this the focal point of your life because there's other things that you don't want to deal with. Because I got really sideways last election. Like, it fucked with me. I was thinking about it constantly. I was listening to hours of podcasts. I was watching the news. I was reading the pay. I mean, I was consuming so much content about politics. And she was like, number one, you have no bandwidth left for anybody in your life. You don't know your your wife. At that time, it was just my daughter. But. So, but, and then she is funny. I always bring this back up to her. She said, uh, she said, um, how much do you really think national politics is going to impact your life? Right. And, uh, and, and now I'm like, normally that would have been a good point this time around. It impacted everyone's life far more, you know, we have to wear masks and, you know, all this other shit, but anyway, so, um, so do you mind talking about coming out as gay and all, no. and all that okay nothing's off limits you can ask anything well i just want to be yeah. respectful so yeah. how old were you when you kind of knew did you know always or is it uh i honestly everyone in high school thought i was gay and i i am i am not gay yeah <laughs> then i thought i was bisexual and then when i was 19 i just had a moment where i was sitting on the couch i'm like oh i'm gay yeah like that was it there wasn't a big thing i'm like oh okay when it's time to yeah i'm just like but my whole teenage years, like I would mess around with these straight guys yeah. and have all these secret affairs that were pretty emotionally damaging. Yeah. But then I would date girls, not realizing that the dating and the sex really could be the same thing. Right, right. And I, right. in high school, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, there's something wrong with my hormones. Once I graduate, I'll have enough money to get a, a shot and I'll be normal. Right. So, you know, that's how the times were. But then, you know. Did you tell your family right away or? Because I, well, once I found out. At that time, I wasn't really talking to my family. Okay. But then when I started talking to me, and yeah, it was never an issue. My family was cool. Do you think that they knew before you did? No. No? No, I, I don't think they did. Okay. Well, I'm just wondering, for you not talking to your family, do you, would it have something to do with lifestyle or something no. to do with Other disagreements? Stuff. Okay. Uh, if they did know, they're in denial about it. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they just thought I was eccentric. Yeah. Which I am. Well, yeah, <laughs> you could be both. Yeah. You could be either or you could be both. Yeah. So, um. Well, was there a weight taken off you when you kind of felt like that question was answered or no? Not really, because I'm the kind of person like I'm just like, I'm kind of like whatever about yeah, everything. Yeah. How how was the uh, the uh, the environment up in New York versus here as far as living? You know, were, were you accepted up there the same way you were down here differently, worse, better? I think I was accepted a lot more down in Tampa. Yeah. I feel like in Tampa, like anything goes. Yeah. Like yeah. you can walk down the street in a tutu and they're like, oh, they're just Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, you mentioned San Francisco, which I love, by the way. Yeah. And, and that, you know, I hear that it's, you know, obviously that's almost kind of epicenter for for coming out and living in that yeah. lifestyle. So um, how much how much of that reflects in your music? Is that, you know, when you're writing a, a song, are you writing it thinking about someone in particular or or is it more just kind of a general thing? You know, I always I always find it interesting. Two different people. Um, one is Springsteen. Uh, you know, Springsteen tells these amazing stories in his music and everybody for years and years and years kind of assumed that he was the guy on the motorcycle who owed money to the loan sharks and right. was on, you know, going to blow this town and all this. And he's like, no, it's all just fiction. Uh, you know, so is yours biographical or yeah, is I'd it- say all, all, all of mine's nonfiction. Yeah. 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 If it's not me, it's like someone I know. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, have you ever had people come back to you and say, is that me in the song? Or, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. I had a, I had a Darcy Greco who was in here a couple of weeks ago and she wrote. A oh, book. she's great. You know, Darcy. Yeah. Too? Oh, good. good I good, like good. her. So she just, her book just came out and, yeah. uh, you know, I guess it's semi biographical. And I was like, do people kind of message you and say, Hey, am I this person or that person? And so I'm sure that's got to be kind of a, a, a danger of the business. I met her on at Cafe Hey. I think she was just kind of to start starting to do the comedy thing at that time. She's a crazy like oh, comedy. She's so great. She writes books. She does a bunch of stuff. Supposedly she's a pretty amazing dancer. She knows my wife because of uh 
doing hair. Uh, the word I think of her is like sincere. I just feel like she's just sincere. Yeah, sincere, okay. honest up front. So, uh, but getting back to what I mentioned in the beginning, <laughs> your name comes up so much between Sinclair, oh. Greg. Uh, I was uh, actually, Tom DeGeorge and I are going on Bubba the Love Sponge tomorrow okay. morning. And he goes, I love Jeremy. He does this, the, you know, I've known him for almost 20 years. Yeah. That's the reaction that everybody oh. gi gives me about you. So, I you know. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, what's the last album that you put out? The Box. Okay. When did that come out? 2019. Okay. Are you working on another one right yeah, now? Yeah. I have on nine songs for my next one. Do you try and hit a certain amount and, and then pair back or you just get to a certain number? Or? Yeah, I just get to a certain number. I'm like, okay, this is done. Has it always been that way or did mm -hmm. you kind of get better at it over time? Back when I was younger, I used to release my music on cassettes. Yeah. And everyone, because I used to like load like 18, 19 songs on an album. Everyone's like, oh, you have too many songs. How but, old are you? 45. So we're about exactly the same age. Yep. And so my wife's a year older, but we always have conversation about cassettes. And oh, how, yeah. Like uh, Casey Kasem or like whoever was doing like on Q105, they had it like 9 p.m. the top five songs. And oh, we yeah. would sit there and tape. And I that, did that. Yeah. That was the great thing about cassettes. Yeah. Um, do you have vinyl too? I, I did like a split seven inch. Did you? Okay. Yeah. So your music now, is it just streaming or do you put it out on? My last album, I did a hundred limited edition CDs and I only have two left. Oh, wow. So I feel like that's pretty good. That's huge. You yeah. sold out. You sold out. So, um, and, and it, according to Mike, it's about one a year, right? Yeah. So how does that work? Tell me the process. Like you put out an album. I asked you if you too are much behind it and you said kind of at this point in your career, it's more, you can curate which events you want to do yeah. and kind of pick a good two or three a year and do those. I should do like a nice, really big release show. Okay. Different places, same place? Yeah. Uh, I did New World a lot, but then the last one, New World was closed, so I did Hooch and Hive. Okay. And instead of performing, I did a listening party where I print out these booklets and actually played the album and did like a Q&A between the oh, songs. That sounds badass. I like yeah, that. Yeah, because this is a more like personal album, so. The Box or the one? The Box was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, can you, can you look at each album in your catalog as kind of a snapshot of your life at Definitely, that time? Yeah. Like, this is 100%. a breakup album. This is when life was good. Yeah. This was when... What are you, what stand out as your favorites in your catalog? Do you have? Oh, geez. Tough question. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess. They the, all suck. <laughs> no, well, this, they, they don't. So I, I, you know, as I was telling you before, it, you know, it's, it's almost like listening to a different artist. Right. I mean, you know, these albums versus those albums. Um, now, on, on them, are you pretty much, you're writing all the music. Mm -hmm. um, you're singing all the music. Are you playing all the guitar on it? Depending on the album, each album has like its own process too. Right. Like the uh, the last album, that band Nav and Av. Okay. Um, they basically played the music. Right. Like I did guitar and you know the drums and stuff, but then they came in and added bass and extra vocals and stuff. So that was the process for the last one. And I like to, I love collaborating with people. Now, when collaborating with people, <laughs> do you how, do you say like you know listen to this and play what you think sounds yep. good, or do you just like kind of want this here or that there? No, I like people to do whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. Kind of reveal, reveal your song to yeah. you in a weird way. Totally. Well, that's cool. Um, right before you came in, Mike sent me a video of you with the Westboro Baptist church oh, God. from Ybor city. <laughs> I was like, I was like, he's got some good dance moves. That was, what was that? 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you, uh, always been kind of outspoken and in, in advocacy like i, I yeah. can we talk a little bit about what you do sure yeah so your your day job as it were what is it i work at feeding tampa bay i'm the volunteer manager supervisor for the trinity cafe program so i basically manage the trinity cafe okay so where's the trinity cafe located uh, there's two locations one on nebraska avenue and one on bush boulevard uh, a third one in Pine is being built in pinellas oh wow so that's yeah. that's cool it's um, part of a community empowerment center out there and is that is that something that you're at every day of the week, or mm -hmm. and and so it feed, does it feeds the homeless, clothes the homeless? Um, when it's not coronavirus, we're a full service restaurant that feeds everyone a three course meal on china dishes. Right. So people get to come off the street and actually get Feel waited like a on. Human being. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. So how has COVID impacted that? Well, we can't let anyone in the building, so now we're doing to go meals. Oh which, wow! You know, unfortunately, they're in styrofoam. But <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that's, you know, under the circumstances, the fact that you yeah. guys are still able to help them is pretty amazing. So, you know, the, the challenging part of my job is to keep the volunteers masked and everyone apart and then keep the guests. So it's been it's been a hard year. <laughs> right. Well, I'm sure about that. Yeah. Um, have you noticed an uptick in, in people uh, <laughs> coming to you? Uh, slow down, same. 
it slowed down a little bit because I think people were getting like the stimulus came out. Then I think there was extra benefits coming out for a little bit. Now the numbers are starting to go up again, though, because well, I wonder if unemployed and people yeah. who don't have access to medicine because of the health insurance and some of yeah. these other things. You know, I, I have had a conversation with people before that there's kind of there's probably many more than this, but three kind of categories of people that I think, especially in this country, go uh, under the radar, ignored. And that's uh, the elderly, sure, uh, mentally ill, yep. and then army veterans. Yeah. And, and I wonder how much of that you see in, in your establishment. I, I see some of all three of that for sure. I mean, you know, there. I, I, I grew up when people would call them bums, you know, right. this is, and, and then it becomes, then it became homeless person. And now I, I, you know, what's, what's the preferred nomenclature? I just call them our guests, our guests. Well, yeah. I mean, that's got the, you know, a good amount of respect and humanity to give them. Yeah. Um, so uh, how has that impacted your art at all? Like I would have to imagine. Well, it actually goes back to that still golden song. Sure. Uh, when I lived in Atlanta in the nineties, I fell in love with this guy. You lived in Atlanta. I lived in Atlanta. For oh, wow. A while. And uh, I, I dig Atlanta too. Yeah, Do you like Atlanta? I didn't find my place there, but it, it was like 1997. Now I, I think I it's love it. come along a, yeah. a good way. But there's this guy I really liked him, and uh, I kind of went psycho and left. I just gave away all my stuff and left. But I always wanted to find him again. And you know, MySpace came out, Facebook, and I couldn't find my buddy. So then it turned out I found out he was living on the streets of San Francisco with schizophrenia. Oh no! And uh, he died of a heroin overdose in 2015. So still golden was about my buddy. And before the song came out, I went. I flew out to San Francisco with his sister and went to the spot where he died and left that song. Oh, my God. And the next beautiful. day on the call box where the CD was, there was two syringes. Isn't that eerie? Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that's what that song was about was my buddy. And, you know, when you see someone on the street, you know, people think of people as garbage, but like they're still golden. You know what I mean? So that's what the song was. Originally no, about. it's it's I, 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 I thank you for saying that because this will seem like a. In poor taste. But one of the things that, you know, when I have people come on the show, uh, everybody says, no one's going to want to listen to me or, or I don't have anything that's interesting to say. And I'm like, no, everybody's got something. Yeah, every, interesting. Everybody's got something. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got, yep. you know, worth, value, whatever that thing is. Completely different things here. But it, it's true. Like, I, I think you know, the way that, you know, pop culture and media and whatever, the Kardashians and all this stuff, is that it's conditioned you to think that if you don't live in the penthouse, don't oh, yeah. have the yacht, don't have the whatever, that you're lesser than. And then, I mean, taking that to the extreme with with your guests, you know, God, that's got to be rough. But I, I wonder how much, how much, you know, if we, not that you could ever just completely fix, you know, socialized medicine to help people with mental health sure. issues or substance abuse, but... You know, I, I wonder in these other countries, these Scandinavian countries, like what what you see over there compared to here, because yeah, I, I feel would. like those have got to be two really big contributing factors. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, lack, lack of housing. It's just crazy. You know, and then now now is a meme that I see all the time. It's like Jeff Bezos could have solved world hunger today or Jeff Bezos yeah. could have paid for college for everybody today or Jeff. Be you know, the money's out there to do these yeah. wonderful things and they're not getting done. Give us the money. Um, we just had a guest die named Rosie and she was sometimes a guest there. She would eat. And then sometimes she would be a volunteer depending on her, how her mental health was. Yeah. But, uh, her family had a little funeral for her in the park where she died. Yeah. It's interesting. Every homeless person you see walking down the street, there's like that concerned sister and their daughter that don't know what to do. You know right. what I mean? So like, I, I just wish people would remember that when they see people. Yeah, I, I I was talking to uh, another musician who's been on here, and he's having some issues with his mom, and I, oh, I think yeah. she's having to go stay at a like a facility or something. And you know, I, I could tell it's it's weighing heavy on his heart. And I said, you know, it's hard because you love these people, but yep. the solution isn't isn't always outside of them; it's inside of them yeah. until they decide to be. Yep saved no, no, no amount of worry or anything yeah. that you're ever going to be able to do is going to be able to pull them out of it it's a hundred percent inside of them i feel right and so uh you know like with my with my parents as i talked about earlier you know for the longest time i had all this guilt it's like i wish i could just make enough money to you know put them up in a house next door i wish i could just put them in an alf or whatever i yeah. wish i could 
you know, go over every night and take them to dinner and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, my therapist, she's like, you got to put that down. You're killing yourself. You yeah. just can't, that's not your job. And so, you know, I, I would, I would, I, 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 if, if you and I are similar, I could see your job being very difficult because you have that empathy for these people and you form relationships with them and care about them and kind of yeah. see that you can't pull them out of it. And I think, I think one reason I'm good at my job is because I do have that empathy side, but then I do have a distance from it where I know like we're giving them a meal every day. We're helping. And that's all, you know, that's well, all right. I, I mean, do. you're doing more than most. So yeah. that's, that's pretty awesome. So, um, this this sounds like I'm ending it. And I'm not, but I just want to ask before I forget. Because uh, you and I, when we talked earlier, I wanted to know because I, I really, my wife is the charitable one. She's the one who's on Friends of Joshua House, and she does okay. Metropolitan Ministries and great does all this other stuff. But it just happens to be that I'm usually working my my brains out. But I really wanted to be involved. And, and Greg told me about your thing. So how is it that people can become involved? Yeah, if you what go you to do, is it? volunteer.feedingtampabay.org, okay. you go to the volunteer calendar, there's so many different opportunities, and we serve a 10-county area. What do you need area. the most? Do you need hand, boots on the ground? Do you need clothing? Do you need food? Do you need money? What's, like, what well, would help them? We'll most? always take money. There's no oh, doubt yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, money, donations. You know, a lot of people, like, like, the kids like to do the food drives where they're giving the cans, but we can do so much more with a dollar. Right. You know, no, it's true. And you, and you know, can filter it where it's really needed. Yeah. Well, and that's the big thing a, a lot of times with charity is is knowing that the money's going where it's helping and not just, you yeah. know. And I got to give like I got to give a shout out to where I work. They just raised everyone to $15 an hour, a livable wage. Like that was huge. Everyone started crying in the office and they're really working with racial equity in-house. Right. And uh, then they gave us election day as a paid holiday, like feeding Tampa Bay. Oh wow! I Very progressive. I love, I love, I love both those things. I can't say how great it is to work there. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, that's that's great. You've got art that's fulfilling, and your job is fulfilling. Yeah, I'm lucky. That is that is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so this new new album, uh, you said you've nine songs. Yeah. Is it is it is it something new for you as far as the style? Is yeah, there's it, some rap songs on it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do you have someone like, how does that work? Are you, I mean, is that a, a muscle you've never, yeah, I've never exercised before? Never. Uh, an E song, I've, I realized like, with coronavirus and Zoom, you can collaborate with the whole United States. So I have my friends from all over the country, like sending in parts. So this album is very collaborative. That's badass. So yeah. there's a, there's a web show that I love. It's called, I think it's called Two Minutes to Midnight. And it's a, it's a, it's a, Kind of a late night parody talk show, but it's a heavy metal talk show. Oh, nice! The 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 host of it is his name is Guarcinio Hall. Like, oh, like God. War and Arsenio. That's so Hall. funny. And he's got corpse makeup on, but they always do. I'll, I'll send them to you. They do these amazing covers of songs with people from all these different bands. But it used to be they'd all do it together at St. Vitus up in New York, but now they're oh, doing yeah. Zoom. So they have people in California, people in Norway and everything putting these amazing songs together. So it's pretty cool. Um, so when do you, do you think that'll be out before the end of the year? Or? No, no, no. I have, I think it's either like almost done or else it's going to be like 20 songs. It's going to be like my sign of the times print. Yeah, your double album. Yeah, so. How do you know when you're you're done? Like, do you say, okay, that's enough of yeah, that? It just, or, it just feels like. Do you always record at the same place or? I record in my closet. You do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so I'm, I'm back in the closet, baby. <laughs> Out of the closet, back in the closet. I'm back in there. That's badass. So is it all rap or just some of it? or Just some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I, I that That's a, I, I just, I, 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 I like that you're, you're willing to venture into new territories yeah. because. Uh, this could be the worst received thing I ever did, but you know, then you just do something else afterwards. Well, but that's okay too. Yeah, that's like, okay. I mean. You know, Dylan had his gospel music. Yeah, he sure uh, did. Neil Young had his disco album. Yeah. I mean, all these people. Um, who are you listening to a lot right now? The Divinals. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because uh, they reissued their, you know, I always loved I Touch Myself. Oh, yeah. But I didn't realize they had like three albums before that that were, she was like wild. Yeah, yeah. So I read her autobiography and that, their first album that came out in 83 is wild. Like, yeah. I didn't realize how intense of a performer she was. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to, before I let you go, Mike gave me notes to ask you about. So I want to okay. make sure I, I hit all the notes. <laughs> Let's see here. Give me both. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really I, enjoying this. I want this. you to come on all the time. So music for 25 years. We kind of talked about that. Hosted open mics for 20 years. Open mics music or comedy or? Yeah, I, I've done open mics for years. Now, actually, I just started a Vopen mic, which is my virtual monthly open virtual mic. open mic. 
So I'm going to give a little shout out to my Patreon. My subscribers have made it possible to buy a Zoom account. Oh, and wow. Give me a little money. Like, it feels good to get a little bit of compensation Finally, for yeah, your time. Finally, you yeah. You, you've given enough value. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you, could, you know, pay up. Yeah. So, you know, right now I'm doing two of virtual events a month. I'm doing an album discussion, which we're doing the Go-Go's tomorrow, track by track. Oh, wow. So, you're so how do people welcome. find you? Uh, just on Facebook. So, me, so your discussion, is it like Facebook Live or is yeah, it? Okay. I'd, what I'm going to do is have everyone that wants to partake in the Zoom and then we'll broadcast it on Facebook Live. That's really cool. Yeah. I dig that. All right. So that's one thing. What was the other thing? That My Vulpen mic. Your Vulpen mic. So yeah. tell me about that. Uh, I did the first one. We had like 450 viewers. I was like, holy crap, this is cool. You know, Zoom, the sound quality kind of sucks, but like the heart was there. Well, sure. I mean, you can kind of get behind, you know, we, we're all just going to accept the limitations yeah. and go with it. Like, uh, was it a uh, Lollapalooza? Perry Farrell did a virtual Lollapalooza this year. Oh, he did? And uh, a lot of it was playing, you know, the best of shows from past years. But then he had like Josh Homme came and played something on acoustic guitar. Pornos for Pyros played a couple songs with Mike Watt from the Minutemen playing bass okay. on it. It was pretty badass. Pretty and it was like, you know, this is, this is a, a little... Sp- ray of sunlight peeking through the otherwise dense fog of yeah. clouds that we you know or smoke <laughs> oh my god yeah you see, you see the pictures of oh uh california it's just bananas so i feel like even when coronavirus is over i kind of hope this virtual element stays because i can do an open mic and have my friend from boston and my friend from LA. like everyone can be on there together but tell me again i want to understand better the open mic open mic for what what okay. type of event so what I do is I post a sign-up list online. Okay. Anyone, people, some people did comedy. Some people showed their music video. Some people oh, talked wow. about their book. Like, for 10 minutes, you can do whatever the hell you want. You can come in and talk about your podcast. Like, oh, wow. I would love, I would, not only would I love to do that, I would love to experience that. And I would love to host it or yeah. mirror it. Or I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. I don't know all the lingo. But like, yeah. like when Fest was doing all their, you know, pre-Fest shows or their virtual Fest yeah. shows. Like, I love that stuff. We can definitely co-host sometime. I please, please, please. I'd love it. And I and I told Darcy at some point I'm going to try stand-up because that's been yes. something that I've wanted to do forever. But I just never have been bold enough to, to try it. But You're going to do it next. By the, you have a deadline at the end of next year. That's right. Give it to me. Well, uh, Michael J. had invited me to come play Fest last year with them, and I didn't do it. But uh, we haven't announced it yet, but we're talking about a show Uh in the near future. And I might see if I can get up there and oh, work on my chops for that. So see, I'd love to do a split seven inches, still golden, like their version on one side and mine on the other. I'll, I'll produce it. I'll pay for it. I'll, I'll, I'll pay for the vine. I've been telling, telling them forever. I want, I've had this idea of, and I know it won't make me any money, but I want to put out local stuff. That's interesting, just different. Like, People just want it to have it, you know, yeah. that, that thing. I think that would be amazing. I, I really think like, that's a dream of mine. I would love to see you guys sing it together. I'd love to sing it together. That too. would be badass too. Actually, I harmonize with their, I think their version is much better than mine. What are you doing December 12th? Uh, nothing. Okay. Don't plan any trips December 12th. Okay. All right. So um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, well, it was so great to have you in. Yeah, You're an amazing you. dude. I feel like we could probably do 10 more of these. Oh, yeah. We could talk for hours. Um, you know, <laughs> I love making friends. Uh, me too. And Well, that's such a, you know, probably similar with what you do is I have always been kind of a, not a poser, but like I love skateboarding. I love music, but I don't do any of it well. I'm a, I'm a lowly family law attorney oh. but this podcast has given me the ability to meet all these people yeah. that otherwise i wouldn't have the opportunity to to talk with and i got to meet dave decker who oh speaks. i love dave decker dave, dave so dave decker's another His one photography my god so yeah you should see he sent me some work that he did this weekend uh over in gulfport is badass i mean the talent we have around here is like it's really room. amazing That's it's why really I'm never moving <laughs> Well, and I'm trying to, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've thanked uh, Greg because, in, in a lot of ways, Greg kind of pushed me over the, the hesitation of of doing this. Sure. Um, because the idea of being able to have a life outside of being an attorney that was more art- artistically right. um, um, directed, you know, kind of he helped me with that. And then another one, which was kind of a weird deal, was uh, Ray Roa. Oh, because Ray. I think that I knew him before I bought this building. But in 2017, I bought this building and I was like, I love Tampa Heights. There's a rich art history. Everybody's got murals everywhere. And so when I was in law school, um, 
my wife and I study with each other in the library and we'd always have music on and Elliot Smith was who we just always listened to. We were both in college around the time that Goodwill Hunting came out. Oh, okay. And so that, that got us into it. And then I just bought every one of his albums and it's good music. It was Elliot Smith, Sufjan Stevens, The Cure, and then like soundtracks. Like it was good music, but you could study to it. Like okay. it wasn't too obtrusive that you couldn't pay attention to what you're doing. So when we bought this building, I was talking about ideas for murals. And, and I always love the figure eight album cover with Elliot Smith with the red and blue right. lines on it. So that ended up being uh, kind of the inspiration for the mural that we have facing Tapestry. And uh, I, I get a I get an email from Ray. He's like, is that an Elliot Smith homage? And I was like, Aww. yeah. And he's like, do you mind if I write an article about it? I was like, it would be amazing. And then ever since then, like... I'm like their legal correspondent. Like, well, great. how do I find out, you know, if this person got a bond or how do I find out why right. this person's file sealed? So I'm always like, I had to say through the years, Ray's been so good to me. Like just so good to me. Well, I mean, <laughs> you look at this, I made friends with Gabe who Gabe, I mean, Gabe is like, I, he's a brand of sunshine every morning. With oh my God. About yes. His music, music history, history. <laughs> because I'm usually that way for everybody else. And Gabe's that way for me. And then Gabe starts my day too. Like he's in a, he's in a, what would we do without Gabe? He's, he's another just <laughs> golden individual, yeah. you know? And, uh, it's usually me, Gabe and Steph powers, like us trio stuff, but not, uh, oh, she's amazing. Well, she's got to come on. You got to yep. talk to her. But I mean, it's funny. I, my wife, so my wife and I will do like a date night on Friday nights and we usually go and grab a bite to eat and then we'll go to dough. Uh, and uh, grab a coffee or a cupcake or whatever, and we'll, we'll be flipping through Creative Loafing, and there's the uh, line of all the contributors, and it's like, he's been on, he's been on, she's oh. been on, he's been on, you know. So I've had Decker, Gabe, Ray, Mike. I need to have the rest of the people on that list. I'm so but. proud of Creative Loafing. Like, Oh, they've, yeah. They've really like gone to another level during all this. Well, you got, and you got to say, and I had this conversation with Ray, too, is that's the, the tip of the spear now. Yeah, where 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 objective truth and reality has now become arguable, yeah. you know, journalism and and strong journalism, and it's like creative loafing would get a pass to not be, but they really do try and you know hit yeah. hit that mark. And I know they've gotten some heat. There was I didn't fully read through it, but he posted something recently about yeah. they're getting critiqued as a liberal rag or yeah. whatever. And he's like, sorry if if the truth hurts, but. Um, in any event, well, God, I, I thank you so much for yes, coming by. This has been awesome. You're a rad dude. I want to be. On, I want to be on the Vopen mic. I want. Yes. I want to talk about the Go Go. So the Go Go's. Which one was Belinda Carlisle the drummer for? She was the lead singer of the Go Go's. She was the lead singer of the Go Go's. Well, okay, so but she was in the Circle Jerks. Before the Germs. The, oh, the Germs. The yeah, germs. the Germs. So and she sang. Didn't she sing on a Circle Jerk song? Or my man? Oh, I'm sure she did. But I yeah. think she was the drum. That's what I'm going to give you. I think she was the drummer yep. for the Germs. Is yep. what I'm thinking of. Pat Smear, the guitarist, who yep. was then in Nirvana and the Foo Fighters, and then Darby Crash, the lead singer, who I think died of an overdose. But uh, see, I'm already. I've, I've already got material for your for your discussion. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Yes. I appreciate you. All right, take care. So this is awkward. Uh, wrapped the show with Jeremy, and he was on his way. And I said, oh, shit, I forgot to have him play a song. And I texted him that. And Jeremy, being Jeremy, said, I'm turning around, and I'm coming oh. right back. So, Jeremy, you rock. Thank you so oh, much. I appreciate you coming. I would have I would have felt awful not having one of your songs on the show. Well. So uh, we had a quick discussion on what it would be, and I think you've, you've come up with your final answer. And... I hand it over to you. All right. Well, uh, my my dad and stepdad both died in 2017, and I inherited some guitars from my dad. And this is I'm going to tell the short version of the story, but I had to drive from Buffalo to Tampa with stuff I inherited from my dad and my stepdad. So when I got back to Tampa, I started writing songs on my dad's guitar. Yeah. We, weren't, we weren't close. So I feel like I'll, this whole album is because of my dad. Like A little bit of his ghost. Yeah, a little bit of his guitar. ghost. All right. So this song's about that trip from Buffalo to uh, Tampa. Somewhere in America, it's called. I'm driving down the East Coast with my dad's guitar. Made a stop in West Virginia, sleeping in my car. He was a fine man, he was a legend. Still, there are no tears.
Cousin Christy down in Charlotte, remembering your roads, got my stepdad's bow and arrow, a clock we used to own. He was a good man, another legend. Still there are no tears. sure who I am anymore I'm feeling close to nothing I'm whittled down to nothing Driving south as Tori Amos sings In a car and dead man sings On a highway in America Somewhere in America Through a tunnel in the mountains to the Florida line, been numb and sex addicted, OCD all the time. Yeah, I'm numb, I'm sex addicted. I'm feeling just fine. I'm always a flat line. Final stop in Alabama. I'm standing by the grave. Of the only one I'd die for I'm leaving with his tapes He could've changed the world Still he was a legend I felt him in that chair Not sure who I am anymore Feeling close to nothing, I'm whittled down to nothing Driving east as Madonna sings In a car and dead man sings On a highway in America I'm somewhere in America Somewhere in America I'm somewhere in America all right. Wow. <laughs> that was awesome. I feel, I feel tears. I, <laughs> I do too. Come in. It makes me think of my dad. That's, that's beautiful. That's gorgeous. When did you write that? Uh, 2017. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, God, thank you. I even feel 10 times more honored. That's, that's <laughs> beautiful. I've, you know, have my own private concert. Uh-huh. Thank you so much for coming back. That was awesome. Yeah, of course. All right, Jeremy. If you need anything a, else, I'll come back again. I, just every night, just come by every night. Small concert for me. Oh, uh, I'll make it worth your while. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.